0: Chapter 28 Scyltus, hurry, we mustn't tarry, Geddon said as he led Arleska by the hand through the damp corridors. They had spent the last few days traveling, and were now in the depths of the king's prison in southern Ramza. The voice had explained to Geddon what the next part of the plan was, and since then Geddon had been agitated by any delay. There was untapped power waiting to be harnessed. If the information he had proved valid, it would affect the war he had planned with Arcturus in ways he could only imagine. That was what the voice had told him. He planned a trip for himself, his wife, his guard captain Skeltis, and Colette, whose services he found it harder and harder to go without these last few months. Geddon grew ever more paranoid since Erica had been freed, expecting a plot against him. He had tried to recall Roland to his side, but the man remained unreachable. Watch your step, dear. Geddon cooed as he led Arleska along, her movements coordinated by her husband. In reality, she lifted not a finger of her own accord, but Geddon still treated her otherwise. Skeltis had warned against bringing her along, but Geddon would have none of it. The mere thought of it only enraged Geddon further. Colette accompanied them, but gave Geddon a wide berth, speaking only when spoken to. The guards at the prison had been happy to see Geddon. A visit from the king brought goods, news, and funding. The warden had been disappointed on all counts. In a foul mood to begin with, it worsened upon reaching the prison, snapping at servants and complaining about the disrepair and poor conditions. Reminding Geddon that it was a prison did not help matters. The warden found himself pulling double duty, having to attend to Geddon's every need on top of his normal tasks. "'But your highness, no one but the worst prisoners reside in the dungeon.' Are you sure you want to go there? He had asked when Geddon told him that he had business in the depths of the prison. I just, I cannot assure your safety, the warden had pleaded. In truth, he was more worried about his own safety amongst the prison's most dangerous inmates. He had served over most of their sentences, and knew they would leap at any chance to kill him. But Geddon did not care. The dungeon is what I have come for, and it's the dungeon I will see. Avail yourself of your worries. I surround myself with only the most capable of people. And puppets, the voice added. Geddon twitched, shrugging the sound away, drawing a worried look from the warden who was not accustomed to Geddon's bizarre mannerisms brought on by his mental companion. The warden led the four of them down into the deepest part of the dungeon. King's prison was built on a cliffside, and part of the structure ran all the way down the cliff facing to ground level, and well below ground into the firmament. It was these depths where Geddon wished to go, where the voice compelled him. His companion had become more vocal every step of the way. A great power was waiting for them, for him, down below. A power he would use to conquer the lands and drive them all into his grip. With the major nations united, he would be a king among kings. So many petty cultural differences and religious beliefs kept the nations apart. But he would sweep them aside and build a greater nation from the pieces. Only the strongest, the most able, the most ambitious. Yes, yes, Geddon mumbled to himself, rubbing his hands together, both to ward off the damp cold and to relax himself. Scyltus wore a heavy cloak to keep warm. Colette was in her customary garb, the look of the king's adviser about her, "'but climate never seemed to bother her. "'Only Arleska was underclothed, "'parading about in some silken dress getting fancied. "'Goosebumps dotted her flesh, but she made no complaint. "'We're almost there,' the warden called, "'lighting a new torch. "'He felt the darkness overwhelming, "'almost hard to draw breath. "'The prisoners down here did not talk,' whine, or call out. But he could hear their breathing, the steady inhale and exhale. It was unnerving. He never came down here himself, always a guard or an executioner. He stopped at the door, fiddling with his ring of keys. The locks here were in severe need of repair, mold and rust having crept through the devices. Curses! The warden swore, feeling something inside the lock give way as he jostled the key. He turned it back and forth, but the pressure plate had given way, rendering the key useless. Well, it'll take a few days to get someone down here to fix this lock, the warden began. I suggest in the meantime we go back up and surround ourselves in some more comfortable accoutrements. Geddon eyed the warden, then laughed. Skeltis, see if you can't find the right key. Skeltus walked forward, taking hold of the lock in his hand, and gave it a stern tug. It held fast to the metal loop affixing it to the door. Next, he swung his curved blade from his back and wedged it into a space between the lock and the loop, then pushed down. Sparks flew, and there was a loud crashing noise. Then the lock fell to the damp pavement, split in half. "'Shall we proceed?' Geddon asked, regarding the warden, who now looked crestfallen, as if his plans had been ruined. His hands were shaking as he pulled open the door. The prisoners here did not recoil from the light, or tremble in fear. They raised their shackles and looked with sullen expressions at their guests.' Is this the place? Geddon asked. Yes. What are these men in for, Warden? I, I can't rightly say, Your Majesty. Most of them have been in here before I took over. All lifers. Last Warden told me to forget about him and throw away the key. We must go down, go through them, the voice coaxed. Colette, Skeltis, Geddon said. Yes, my lord, Skeltus replied. Colette shifted her footing, her hands on her hips. Her form shortened and filled out, her features becoming her own, her fingers filing into sharp points. Kill these men, we must tarry. And you're sure he's here? Jenner was talking to Roland outside the gates of the king's prison. Yes, I spoke with men of mine from Balthwell, and they said he left for here with a small group a few days ago. And these were the same men who were able to secure your weapons from the castle. I trust them. Why here? Jenner asked. I wish I knew. Has anything getting done recently made sense? All right, can you do something about anyone coming in behind us? Consider it done. Jenner, Christian, Erica, Roland, Mal, um, Umbrunsway, and Haviland walked across the front gates. The place seemed quiet for a prison. There was no one out in the yard. No noises of commotion or gaming or anything. Roland strode up to the blackened oak front door and swung the heavy knocker. Warden Mathal, it is I, Roland Cross, Captain of the King's Guard. His voice echoed across the courtyard, but there was no response. Roland tried the door, but found it barred. I'll go get some of my men. We can batter it down. No, wait, Erica said walking up to the massive doors. She looked them up and down. Then she lifted her hands, letting her sleeves roll back a bit, and flexed her fingers. She ran them over a crease where the doors came together and closed her eyes. She tried to picture the wood melting, blowing away like sand in the wind. She spread her fingers out on the door and dragged her nails across them. At first nothing as they stood on and watched Erica at the front of the door. Roland looked on, curious, but turned to find his men. "'Wait, give her a minute,' Christian said, watching with all hope. And then it happened. Little black flecks of wood started to flake and jump out from underneath Erica's hands, slowly at first. "'but a steady stream of black sawdust began spilling down the front of the door "'from under Erica's small fingers. "'She leaned in and the flow increased, "'her hand shaping a small hole through the middle of the large doors. "'A few minutes later and she was done, "'plopping down to the ground, looking tired and yawning. "'The doors creaked as they swung on their hinges.' "'the barring block having been sundered through the middle. "'The thud as each half of the block fell to the ground "'was the only sound of their breach into the building. "'A lot more subtle than a battering ram, no?' "'Jenner said, looking to Roland, "'who could only stare in awe at what he had just witnessed. "'By the one!' was all he could manage. "'By the one, indeed!' "'Jenner replied, patting Roland on the shoulder. "'This is what Geddon was after. "'This and whatever is here.' "'Jenner proceeded to sidestep Roland "'and pressed on into the doors, "'watching them swing inward with little effort. "'Inside, they were not expecting what awaited. "'Bodies were littered about the yard. "'Some were guards.' "'but others appeared to be inmates by their garb. "'Many of them were covered in tiny puncture wounds "'in sets of threes and fours. "'Christian and Jenner examined the bodies, "'moving from one to the next. "'They seemed to be alive. "'Barely,' Jenner noted. "'He tried rousing a guard, "'but either the loss of blood or something else "'kept him from regaining consciousness. "'These ones, too,' "'Christian said, checking a few of the bodies farther in. "'I think I recognize the marks.' "Eh, "'I do as well,' Jenner said, rubbing his collar, "'where he had a few close calls with the oblin. "'Why go through the trouble?' Roland asked. "'It's not like Geddon would be opposed entrance. "'He's the king. "'And why leave them half dead? "'Why leave witness to this?' Roland motioned for some of his men to gather the wounded, to set up a base of operations inside the gate. Gather those you can and help them best you can, Roland ordered, directing his men while Christian and the rest ventured further into the prison. They began to hear calls for help, seeing some prisoners inside cages. Guards lay unconscious throughout the halls inmates trying to reach for the bodies to free themselves as they lay prostrate. "'He watched. He just watched,' one man moaned. "'Who? Who watched?' Jenner asked. "'Did you recognize someone?' "'The warden. He watched that that monster go to work on the men. "'He stood there and watched. "'The king and his servant and that thing, they did nothing.' the man gripped his sides with his hands, pushing himself back into a corner. You didn't happen to see where they went,' Jenner asked, pressing his face to the small, barred opening in the door. But the man was unresponsive, muttering to himself. They searched the rest of the courtyard, but found the corridors leading to individual wings still locked. "'Over here!' Havlin yelled, waving his hands in the air while in Brunswick motion to what looked like a storm cellar door. "'What's down there?' Jenner asked. "'The catacombs,' Roland replied. "'Not all the prisoners kept here are royalty or rich. The lifers, the ones sentenced to death. They keep them down there, away from the lesser criminals up here.' Jenner sighed. I had hoped Geddon was coming to get a friend out. Maybe he is, Christian offered. We should go down there. It was Erica who made the suggestion. She stood by the entranceway, looking down into the darkness, the orange glow of torchlight far in the distance. Haviland, you and M. Brunsway wait here. If you see anyone other than us come up, you throw the lock back on here and bar it for good. Don't let anyone else up, Jenner said. That doesn't sound like a very worthy story, Havlin said with a sigh. It is if you live to tell about it, Jenner said with a smirk. Havlin chuckled while Ambrose shook his head. We will see you after, Havlin said, stepping and holding the door like a butler while the rest passed by. Roland led the way, followed by Mal, Erica, Christian, and Jenner. The stairway down narrowed to where they had to go single file, and the railing was little more than a chain hammered into the wall at intervals. Roland offered a hand to Mal, who scowled at him. "'I can probably traverse this better than you,' she said, Erica found the quiet unnerving, and had to muster her self-control not to talk just for the sake of talking. The smell was also quite oppressive. The catacombs were not clean and polished like the upstairs had been. A slimy green moss covered most of the walls and floors, making each step challenging. Erica's skin crawled each time she heard the squish of the moss under her feet, making each step slipperier. They walked for what felt like hours, Roland following the footsteps in front of them, passing each door, until the stairs stopped, and they stood before a black iron door with a gray metal lock, unhinged but hanging on the door. Roland gave the lock a look, checked the area, and then lifted the lock up and pressed on the door. It was stuck. He motioned to Jenner who jumped the last few steps to the landing, and together the two of them shouldered against the door and began to budge it little by little. The hinges squealed in protest as they worked the door inward. Erica had to stifle a scream, as Cushion covered his own mouth as well, to muffle the intake of breath. They were all dead. Limbs hung from walls like a slaughterhouse. Corpses were strewn about. Some parts were unrecognizable. Torsos and appendages stretched into caricatures of normal bodies. In the center of the room, spiral stairs descended still further into the earth. No torchlight lined those steps. Well, looks like we still have a little further to go, Jenner grimaced, stepping down onto the first step. A figure stepped out of the shadows behind the door and grabbed at Erica who stood closest to the entrance. As his fingers closed on her shoulder, Erica, acting on instinct, drew her rapier and drove the tip into the man's side, leaning into the strike with her shoulder. Bastard! the man yelled, releasing his grip and backhanding Erica across the face, sending her into the air and against a wall. She managed to get her feet under her before she hit it, lessening the impact before tumbling to the floor. Well, if it isn't Gunn's lapdog, Jenner said, drawing his own blade. What of it? Skelta said, drawing his double-bladed polearm from his back, spitting it in his hand. Better a king's lapdog than a pauper's. Christian made his way over to Erica. She took his offered hand and stood up. She would have an angry-looking welt, but that seemed to be the worst of it. You think yourself special, do you? Skelsus continued as he took a few more steps into the room. Roland raised his sword before him, while Jenner circled to the left. You betray him. For what? He said, looking at Roland. To die here, alone? Something's not right, Jenner said under his breath, loud enough for Roland to hear. Agreed. He's not known for his long-winded speeches and depth of philosophical debates, Roland said, before hefting his blade high and charging forward. He's stalling, Roland said. Get below, and stop getting. Skeltus moved to intercept, but Roland was faster, clearing the gap between them in a few strides, his sword swinging down, causing Skeltus to grip his polearm in both hands, leaning back into the blow. Mao was already making her way down the center steps, with Christian and Erica in close pursuit. Jenner backed down, watching Roland and Skeltus exchange blows. This was no dance. It was a maelstrom. Brute force against brute force. No dodging or fainting, just an exchange of blows on steel. "'If you die here,' Jenner began, but instead just watched the two for a second more, before ducking his head down, into the darkness. Skeltis was a vile man, but Roland knew he was also a competent warrior. Few men had the aptitude for the double blade, and Skeltis was a master at it. Roland had caught him off guard with his initial charge, but he knew the tempo was going in his opponent's favor. The light weight of his crystal blade was the only thing keeping him from tiring under the rapid assault of Skeltis. You should have stayed out of this, traitor, Skeltus managed between gritted teeth, slashing left and right, pinwheeling his weapon faster. Roland did all he could to keep the swirling blades at bay. Every time he tried to muster some prayer, Skeltus increased his fray, robbing Roland of the time he needed to call on his god for aid. Geddon is the traitor, traitor to his country, Roland barked back. He searched for some opening, but every second brought one of Skeltus's blades closer and closer. Skeltus leapt forward, working his weapon in a one-two motion, striking high and low. Roland jumped back, gripping the hilt of his great sword with both hands and spun, extending his arms. Skeltus managed to flick his guard up fast, but the weight of the impact still sent him skidding back. Roland continued his rotation, spinning once, twice, a blur encircling him as he whipped his blade round and round his body. Skeltus backpedaled faster, until he outpaced the speed at which Roland was approaching. Roland took the opening, and let the tip of his sword dip as he extended his hand, palm out, fingers wide, and called upon his god to throw Skeltus back against the chamber wall. Skeltus slid a few feet, but then stopped. He tensed as if preparing to receive a hit, then shrugged. His movement stopped. Skeltus grinned, then stepped forward, scraping a blade on the cobblestones underneath as he came, letting the steel scream a pitched squeal as he approached. What was that? Christian asked, hearing the clash of steel from above. I'm sure Roland can handle it, Erica said. Can he? Yes. Yes what? Christian asked. Yes, he can handle it, Erica said. No one's doubting you, Erica, Mal said. Huh, what? Erica said, looking around, confused for a moment, then shaking her head. I think we're here, Jenner said, seeing a dim glow of a lantern spreading out beneath them as they continued down. You will die here. Christian, hush, what are you saying? Mal said, her voice off. What? We are here, wherever here is. You're a failure. Wait, Something is wrong, Christian said, pausing on the steps. That voice, it, it's not coming from us. What voice? Jenner said. its It's like it's in my head. Erica said, puzzled. "'You let your parents die, and your sister's going to die, too. "'Stop it. You don't know anything. "'You don't know what you're talking about.' "'Coward!' "'Shut up!' Erica yelled. "'Something skittered on the floor below them, "'a shape that moved across the lantern light, and then silence. "'It wasn't my fault!' Erica said in a heavy voice, holding onto Christian's arm. Erica, relax. Find your center, Jenner said. Erica had almost forgot. Fatima had taught her that. She closed her eyes and pushed the voices out of her head. It won't help. The voice cackled like breaking glass. They all heard it this time. What's getting doing down here? Jenner spoke loud enough for all to hear. I don't think this is some criminal, Erica added. I don't think it was human, Mal said. The others looked at her, then back down to the landing below. Jenner moved ahead and took the first step onto the cold, damp ground. The walls here were a mixture of worked and unfinished stone. Parts were hewn away while others careened off into what appeared to be natural caverns. The faint sound of a man's voice could be heard coming from one of the caverns. Christian reached back into his pack and pulled out his crossbow, checking the chamber before pointing it out in front of him, standing in front of Erica, as Jenner led the way. Mal had slipped both hands into her pockets and crouched a bit, As they rounded a corner, the cavern opened up before them. A large room had been carved out, circular in nature. Sconces made from the stone were sculpted at regular intervals around the room. A throne sat in the center, a woman dressed like a queen sitting upon it with a blank look upon her face. "'The Lady Baltham,' Jenner said. "'Look, there,' Christian pointed." It was behind the throne. Geddon was hunched over, kneeling on the ground. A purple, inky smoke was leaking out from a crack in the floor and coalescing around Geddon. Geddon, what is the meaning of this? Jenner asked. There wasn't so much a response as a guttural clicking and gurgling noise, which made Christian and Erica take a step back. Mal, on the other hand, had had enough. Focusing in on the noise, she whipped one hand out, tossing several small ruby vials in Geddon's direction. Geddon spun around, his hands and feet flinging him sideways as the vials smashed into the ground, and flames burst forth, a sticky grease coating the area he had just been. "'You are too late. Bow before a god.' The group struggled to stay on their feet. Eric and Mal found themselves on their hands and knees, while Jenner struggled to remain kneeling. Christian fought, feeling a throbbing pain in his head, but maintained his balance. Geddon walked toward them, his legs jerking and twitching on the floor. Christian gagged in revulsion. Weird black veins pulsed on Geddon's face, coursing over his nostrils and eyes. Geddon opened his mouth, and thin gray tentacles flailed from between his lips. "'Christian, do something!' Erica screamed. Christian blinked, squeezing down on the trigger. Two crossbow bolts thudded into Geddon's legs, blood trickling from the wound, but he continued to lumber forward. Mao had managed to roll onto her side, reaching in vain for a pocket." Erika had her head raised, watching the monster approach. Christian groaned as he raised the crossbow higher and fired off another shot. The bolt impacted into the knot of tentacles in Geddon's mouth, and he reeled back. Jenner shook himself, finding the ability to stand again. Erica rolled away and leapt to her feet. Geddon took a few more steps back and looked to the ceiling, blood spurting upwards as he spasmed. Mal took the opportunity to toss a few more vials, which broke at Geddon's feet, setting his pants on fire. Geddon began choking, and a cluster of tentacles expelled themselves from his mouth, knotted together in a slimy, ropey mess. He fell forward as he continued to vomit up a mass of bile and veins. The messy expulsion pulsed and writhed on the floor. Jenner raised a hand to his mouth, trying not to vomit. Erica reacted first, sprinting ahead and wasting no time in plunging her blade into the mass of writhing flesh. It emitted an ear-numbing shriek that caused her to pull back, but had sense enough not to drop her weapon, taking it with her. Geddon was now on his back, coughing and blinking his eyes. The entity that had escaped his mouth seemed to be growing and unfolding on itself, spider-like legs unbending and scraping the floor. Two purple orbs rose from the mass, centering on Erica. A split appeared in the flesh below the orbs, and gnarled little fangs appeared inside of it. What? "'What is it?' Mal asked, fear in her voice. I "'I don't even know where to begin.' Jenner said, looking at his rapier like it was a toothpick. "'We can kill it,' Christian said. "'You heard it when Erica stabbed it. "'We can kill it.' "'The creature threw itself towards Erica, "'who rolled out of the way as it came at her. "'She flung herself clear, "'but the monster flailed out with some sort of appendage "'and tore at her leg, slicing through part of her skirt. "'Christian let loose with more bolts,' This time they bounced off the creature's carapace. Jenner strode forward, closing with the beast and unleashing a series of rapid strikes. The creature spun and hissed, but Jenner was able to land several strikes in succession. Each slid off the shell, but he was more interested in how fast it could defend itself. The creature widened its maw, and two tentacles shot out. Jenner leaned to the right, but they were not aimed for him, rather his sword. Jenner found himself in a tug-of-war, his feet skidding beneath him. "'Strong, fellow,' Jenner said, tugging with both hands as the creature reeled him in. Erica stepped in and swung at the exposed tongue as if to sever it, but her blade bounced off on contact. "'Jenner, duck!' Mal yelled as she tossed more vials in the general direction of the creature." Jenner slipped into a crouch as the crystals tumbled overhead. These ones cracked against the creature and began to sizzle. Greyish smoke appearing wherever the liquid contained within came into contact with the flesh of the creature. It shrieked and it howled. Christian and Jenner saw it coming and clamped their hands over their ears, but Erica and Mal did not fare as well. The two women doubled over in pain as they grasped at their ears. "'Christian saw blood trickle out from one of Erica's. "'Bits of the creature's skin flaked off and wafted to the ground, "'leaving reddish-hued flesh where Mal's acid had burned away at it. "'Then the creature swung its arms wide "'before skittering off in Mal's direction. "'Come on! Is that all you've got?' "'Skeltis and Roland pitched back and forth across the room, "'each trading hit for hit.' Dents littered both their armor from dozens of glances and deflected blows. Skeltus' forehead had two deep cuts, the blood dripping down his nose and over his mouth. Roland had gashes on his arms. He could not feel his sword between his hands, only knew it was there from sight. Skeltus struck low, then swung over top his head, bringing his hands together to swing his weapon like a club. The force of the impact drove Roland to the ground, and he watched as his sword struck stone and spun away from him. It's over, Knight," Skeltus said as he brought one point to bear on Roland. As Skeltus thrust in, Roland rolled to his right, his armor scraping on the floor as he went. Skeltus harried his every move, jabbing at the moving target. Sparks flew as the blade hit stone where Roland had been seconds earlier. He looked around, but he had gone the wrong way, putting more distance between himself and his weapon. He brought his knees up under him and got into a crouching position as Skeltus came on. As he started to backpedal, his foot caught on an upturned brick, causing him to stumble. Skeltus leapt at the opportunity, swinging in hard from the right, driving one end of the polearm into Roland's face. Roland let out a scream. Skeltis relaxed for a moment, but it was all Roland needed. Roland grabbed the incoming blade and pushed it away, losing two fingers to a deep cut across his palm. Then he stepped in and rammed the knuckles of his other hand into Skeltis' throat, collapsing it under the weight of his punch. Skeltis coughed, pushing Roland back, and clutched at his crushed windpipe with his other hand. <laughs> Skeltus garbled, but could not form words. He dropped his weapon as his vision began to cloud. He gasped for air, his hands at his neck. Roland watched from a sitting position, holding his wounded hand close to his body as the blood spilled from his lap. Skeltus tried to take a step toward him, then fell to his knees and plummeted face forward down the stairwell. Roland caught his breath and fell back feeling unconsciousness taken. Father, where are you? Geddon rolled to his side, then winced in pain. He felt lightning shooting up his legs whenever he moved. He managed to look down to see two crossbow bolts protruding from his shins and smoke wafting off his pantlegs. Then he heard the voices in the fighting. He looked around, seeing people. Fighting what? Something familiar, he thought, staring at the odd-shaped creature. It was biting at a girl whose name eluded him. He felt scared and worried, but they were too busy fighting. He rolled himself onto his back and began scooting away, until he backed into something with a start. He reached back and felt a leg. It was soft and smooth to his touch. He also felt stone. He turned around. Arleska, he said in surprise. What are you doing here? Geddon furrowed his eyebrow when she said nothing. He gritted his teeth together as to not scream out as he pulled himself up to a kneeling position. Arleska, it's, it's me, he said, waving a hand in her face but she made no response. She sat with a stone countenance, a silent bystander observing the battle unfolding before her. Geddon reached for her face, and her head sunk forward, tilting a bit, resting her lifeless glare on him. He shook. No, 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 no. Geddon murmured, the sound escaping his lips. Arleska, I'm I'm sorry. Geddon began, his hands holding hers, his head resting in her lap. "'I I did this to you. "'I did this to you!' He yelled the last part, but no one seemed to notice. Least of all Arleska, who sat there in perpetual contemplation, neither damning him nor blessing him. He did not care what she did. He just wanted her to do something. But she did not. She only watched.' Do we have a plan? Christian yelled to Jenner as he fired again at the monstrosity, one bolt catching some exposed flesh for every three he fired. The creature became faster with each wound it suffered. And that cursed whale. Christian felt as if he was moving through a thick cloud. His head burned in pain. He glanced at Erica, who was crouching, hands out front, rapier in close, but she was not looking at the creature. She blinked her eyes. Mal was fighting to her feet, the last ear-splitting pitch from the monster having driven her to her knees. Jenner seemed to strike off most of it, found himself toe-to-toe with the beast again. Just keep shooting it, Jenner panted. It can't live forever. Christian was less sure. It seemed to be fighting harder. It was skidding around while the rest of them had trouble standing. Christian scrambled over to Mal. "'Do you have any of those acid vials left?' "'I do. "'Give them to me.' "'They're in my front right pocket,' Mal said, pointing to her robe. Christian reached in and drew out a handful of vials. Then he moved over to Erica. "'Erica, it is me,' Christian said as he approached. "'Chris, it it won't leave me alone. I, "'I can't find you,' she said. He could see tears in her eyes. Christian pocketed the vials and put his hands by Arleska's ears. Concentrate on your heartbeat, he said, before he pushed his fingers into her ears. She recoiled, trying to pull back, but Christian held firm. After a moment, she blinked her eyes and looked at him with confusion. It's just in your head. It's making some noises, and they're affecting you. That's it, Christian said. Behind them, Jenner was giving ground to the creature, keeping it at bay and nothing more. Keep your ears covered, Christian instructed. Erica covered her ears with her hands as Christian pulled his away. He pulled his pack off his back and upended it onto the cavern floor, then grabbed his writing box and dumped it open, picking up the letter wax. He broke some off and rolled two little balls of it, then motioned for Erica to take her hands away. He pressed a ball into each of her ears. He then broke off two more pieces of wax and leaned in to tell Erica his plan. She looked at him and nodded. "'Jenner, brace yourself!' Christian yelled. "'For what?' he shouted, but then heard footsteps coming up from behind him. "'I don't like this,' he managed, before he dug his feet in and hunched down a bit, holding his blade in front of him sideways, working a defensive stance. He felt a foot catch his hip and a hand on his shoulder, and then saw a blur of black as Erica tumbled into the air above him. "'Your ears!' Christian blurted out moments before he jammed the two pieces of wax into Jenner's ears. Jenner was nonetheless caught off guard, catching a cut on his wrist where the claw slipped through. Christian moved forward as the creature sliced with one of its pincers, but there was little Christian could do at this point. He felt the knife-like appendage ravage his ribs as he slammed a handful of crystal vials into the thing's chest. Meanwhile, Erica landed on its shoulders, wrapping her legs around the neck. When the vials cracked, the beast let out a roar that shook the cavern. They all felt dizzy for the briefest moment, the wax lessening the effect. Grab its arm, Christian yelled to Jenner, when it seemed stunned by the burning. They each grabbed an arm and bore it to the ground, Erica riding it down to the floor. Once it toppled, Erica reached forward and put a hand over each of its eyes. The creature roared and kicked, its legs trying to find traction in its prone position. Its head twisted left and right, its prehensile tongue trying for grip. Jenner and Christian held on for dear life, using the weight of their bodies to hold it in place. Christian could feel the bony arm cutting and slicing him and knew Jenner was going through the same. And still Erica held it. A murky steam began to rise from between her fingers. The monster flailed harder, and Christian could feel the warmth of his blood running over his hands. Then Erica let out a scream as her hands melted through the chitinous covering and plunged into the emerald pools beneath. The monster bucked and shrieked so loud that Christian's vision went white. He could hold no longer and felt the monster slip from his grasp. Erica screamed as she jumped free, gelatinous ooze dripping from her hands that she wiped on the floor, leaving smoking marks on the ground. The creature opened its mouth to wail again, and the entire cavern shook. A crack appeared in the floor and spread from one end of the room to the other. Jenner had rolled clear, but found himself on the far side of the crevice, near where they had come in. It was then that he noticed Geddon kneeling before the queen. Jenner looked to where the creature had been, but it was gone, having convulsed itself over the crack that had appeared in the ground the cavern continued to quake. Rocks were coming loose from the ceiling and shattering down around them. We have to get out of here, Jenner yelled, moving over to Mao and helping her up. Come on, Erica said to Christian, running to the ledge and leaping the widening crack in the floor. I will be all right, he said, looking to the throne. Christian, don't, ''Help Jenner with Mal. I will be right behind you,'' he yelled as he ran over to the queen. He stopped short, looking at Geddon kneeling before her. ''We have to move her or she's going to die,'' Christian said. ''She's already dead,'' Geddon mumbled. Christian stepped forward and looked at her. She felt warm but seemed unresponsive. ''I'm I'm sure a Majir can fix it. Come on, I can't move her alone.'' Christian said, reaching for an arm. Geddon smacked him back, covering her with his body. Don't you see? I, I killed her. She's dead. My queen is dead. But she... Leave us! I am dead, too. Leave us. Christian! Erica screamed as loud as she could. Christian shook his head, looking at Arleska then ran toward the exit. He ran as fast as he could. The chasm had widened, and Jenner was standing at the opposite side, beckoning Christian towards him. Large chunks of the ceiling were coming down. Christian had to fight to keep his balance as he ran towards them. He hurled himself as hard as he could across the opening, reaching out. He almost cried when he felt Jenner's hand wrap around his, tugging him out from over the gaping maw on the floor. Christian moved Erica and helped Mal, both of them leading her back the way they had come. Jenner took one last look back. The center of the cavern floor had tilted, a pit of darkness surrounding the pedestal. Geddon's hands were on the queen's face. He thought he saw her lips move, but he could not be sure. Then the ceiling gave out, and a large boulder slammed into the couple. Jenner looked away as a spray of blood splattered the ground around the throne. The pillar of stairs shook with the quake of the lower levels. The assassin stealthily made her way, step by step, leaping from one landing to the next. Time for something new again, she thought to herself as she continued her ascent. As she rounded the last flight of steps, she slowed, She peered at the man on the steps, hands grasping at his throat, eyes large and red. Those eyes moved in their sockets when she stood over them. She tilted her head down to regard Skeltis' strained gaze. She could see anger in his eyes, but also relief. He slowly lifted a hand towards her. Skeltus's body seized once as she slammed the heel of her foot into his throat, crushing it and snapping his neck. The hand fell limp, fingers relaxed, laying off the edge of the steps. She watched the light fade from his eyes. She then kissed two of her fingers and pressed them to his bloody forehead and ran them down over his eyelids, shutting them for him. Then she made her way, silent as death, to the chamber above. She let out a sharp breath when she peered the knight's body. Like a shadow, she moved, her form warping and twisting as she went, until that of a young blonde girl in her late teens stood before him. She knelt down and checked his pulse, feeling his life beat for all it could. She closed her eyes and focused. Over the din of destruction below her, She could hear them coming. They would be here soon. May the one keep you safe, brother, she whispered. She looked to his side and grabbed his sword, examining it. Then she moved to the stairs. As she climbed, she shifted again, her hair darkening, shoulders becoming broad and muscular. Her face was clean-cut, as if chiseled from marble. "'Roland, what happened?' Haviland said, turning as he heard someone coming out of the dungeon. "'The hurts. You, you must hurry!' Roland said, staggering, dragging his sword beside him. Umbrunsway looked at Roland, up and down, head cocked to one side. "'You heard the man,' Haviland said, grabbing Umbrunsway and pulling his arm. "'Think about Mal!' Umbrunsway let himself be pulled along, but kept an eye on Roland until he lost sight of him, then turned to keep up with his friend. Roland smiled, then thrust the sword into the ground. Roland shifted into the Linese acrobat, and then Colette made her escape. Epilogue Christian dipped his quill into the inkwell at his desk. The letter was started, but he found that he had to write difficult to translate into words on parchment. He tried to concentrate, but the din from outside his window was overpowering. He smiled, setting the quill down, and stepped to the window. The streets of Balthwell spread out in all directions. A party was in full swing. A celebration put into motion by the temporary advisor to the princess Annika, Jenner repulsed. The rule of a nation puzzled Christian. With no heirs, no siblings, no uncles or aunts, the death of the king left the only heir, Annika de Bay. Of course, Annika was not the true daughter of Geddon and Arleska, but only a handful of people knew that. Jenner said he thought it best to let that stand. The court would appoint a custodian to oversee the kingdom until Annika was of age to take the throne. The whole proceeding went well in Christian's estimation. Roland was still the captain of the royal guard. Geddon had not made public his stripping of the rank. But what had proved the biggest boon was how much Geddon had been hated. The people embraced his fall with open arms. They had little sympathy for his tragic death at the hands of an escaped inmate during an earthquake at the king's prison. And Haviland's telling of the tale painted an ideal picture. A custodian would be appointed by week's end, but until that time, Jenner had the reins. "'It's going to be an exquisite party,' Jenner had said as he walked into the room. He was dressed in an expensive suit, embroidered with silver and gold, purple and green threads. He wore white, polished shoes and had a rapier encrusted with rubies at his hip that he had found in Geddon's armory. His hair was pulled back in a tight ponytail, and a royal seal adorned the tie. Christian turned his head from the window and nodded. The festivities were already in full swing. Colored lights ran along the streets, and vendors were out at all corners. The fee to pass between tiers had been waived. Jenner had called in entertainers from all corners of Ramza and beyond. "'You're planning on attending, right?' Jenner said. "'I have musicians from Orn coming that should not be missed.' Christian nodded. "'And, uh, she'll be here tomorrow.' "'Jenner reminded. "'Christian had made arrangements "'to have his mother brought to Bothwell. "'He wanted to have a few "'mageer take a closer look at her condition, "'and with Jenner's help "'he had the coin to ensure "'she had the best care. "'I am just "'taking care of a few things, "'but I will be down when I am done,' "'Christian said, returning to the chair. "'You better "'don't make me send Erica up here. "'She'll drag you out of this room.' Jenner commanded. Jenner, come on, you must introduce us, a voice came from the hallway. Havlin stuck his head in the door, the shadow of Ambrunswick visible behind him. We're supposed to go on in a few minutes. We need an introduction fit for a king, Havlin said with a smile. I think the whole city already knows who you are. Jenner said, rolling his eyes. You've been sighted in nearly every bar within three tiers of the castle. Which means some tiers are still without my presence, Havlin countered. Jenner rolled his eyes again, smiling all the same. You, downstairs, party, Jenner said as he parted, looking at Christian as he exited. Haviland and Umbrunsway gave Christian a bow as they left. Christian smiled, pulled the heavy curtains to muffle the sound of the partying, and sat back down at his desk. He lost himself in thought for a few minutes before lifting his quill and resuming his letter. He stopped when he heard a knock at the door. "'Yes,' he called. "'Are you there, Mr. Telpins?' Come in, Thaddeus, Christian said, turning to the door. I'm impressed you know me by my voice, lad, the older man said as he entered. While Jenner looked at home in regalia, Roland's second in command, looked a touch uncomfortable, as if the suit riled his skin. Something like that, Christian said, who could tell from the words more than the voice. Only Thaddeus referred to him by his last name. I just wanted to let you know that Roland is back from his trip and downstairs. He would like to talk to you when you have a minute. Christian nodded. When Haviland and Brunsway had reached the landing in the dungeon and come across Roland's unconscious form, they realized their error too late. Later, Roland had gone and reported to friends of his about the sighting of the Oblin, and that, at least, one still walked the realms. Thank you, Thaddeus. Christian said. "'Well, I'll be seeing you at the party, Mr. Telpins." Thaddeus said with a curt bow as he let himself out. Christian went back to writing, but the ink had dried on the tip of his quill. He sighed and shook his head, then licked the tip and tapped it on the paper a few times. The sound of the door clicking open again caught him off guard. He hit the table a bit too hard and the tip of the quill split and cracked. "'What is it now?' his voice trailed off. Erica and Mal stood in the doorway. Mal looked quite elegant in a purple and red dress with Lanie's script. She had a cane of cherry wood stained with a dark lacquer. Her hair was done up in a bun, and she wore a pair of gold-rimmed spectacles with black lenses. Erica's attire, on the other hand, was an assault on the senses— but to him she was stunning. Her hair was in its traditional style, combed long down her back with two massive braids. The crown of her head was its natural blonde, but the braids were dyed six colors instead of the normal one. One braid was woven of shades of red, purple, and gold, while the other braid was blue, green, and silver. A pink ribbon was bound at the base of each braid as well as at the end. She wore a light yellow dress with white frilly sleeves and a hem. She had dark purple stockings underneath and a black dress shoes. You look lovely, he said, smiling. And people call me blind, Mal said with a wry look, drawing a harumph from Erica. What are you doing? Erica asked. Just something I need to take care of, Christian said glancing between the parchment and Erica. "'I was uh, hoping you would escort me to the party,' Erica said in a flat voice, as she continued to notice Christian was not yet dressed for the celebration. "'I I cannot, but save me a spot on your dance card. I will be down soon,' Christian said. "'You better be,' Erica said as she pranced over and gave him a kiss on the cheek." Jenner brought musicians all the way from Oron, and we shouldn't miss it. I promise, he said. Erica seemed satisfied as she nodded and turned to the door, taking Mal's hand in hers. Don't think you're going to get out of dancing with me, she said as she pulled the door shut behind her. Christian watched the space where she had been standing just moments prior, then touched his fingers to where she'd kissed him. She smelled like peppermint. He smiled. Christian walked over to the door. He looked out into the hall and looked both ways, then pulled it shut and locked it. Then he returned to the window, opened the curtains again, and sat down. He rifled through the desk drawer, finding himself another quill, which he dipped and poised over a fresh piece of paper. Christian cleared his mind, and began to write. Hello and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle store for the low price of three dollars apiece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, You can find it on Facebook at Joseph Porthos, or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.